Let's Talk Crypto with Gabrielle Haynes. Hello, we are here with Jack, the founder of Colony, a unique DAO platform that we're going to learn more about. I'm curious to hear from Jack all about DAOs and um, how they function and the best way for them to operate. So how are you doing today, Jack? I'm doing pretty good, Gabriel. How are you? Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me. So um, please, uh, if, if you could, give us a little bit of a background about you, uh, maybe how you got into crypto. Sure. So um, before I got into crypto, I was a jeweler. I used to make very high-end, very fancy jewelry using computer-aided design. Um, the, probably the most well-known thing that I've created was um, a $100 million diamond skull for Damien Hurst, uh, his, his art piece for the love of God. And um, so that sent me down a, a path of making these very fancy bits of jewelry. Um, however, I kind of fell out of love with that uh, right around the same time as I learned about Bitcoin. Um, I was just be just became absolutely fascinated with um, the possibilities of decentralized um, currency initially, and then and then all of the opportunities that um, blockchain more generally provided. When I read uh, Vitalik's white paper in December two thousand and thirteen for Ethereum. And uh, I was just hook, line, and sinker ever after that, and and really just decided to totally change the way I was I was conducting my life. Wow! I did not realize you were involved with the uh, that skull. That's crazy. Um, you might tell a me project. a little bit. What was that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying it was a fun project. Can you tell me a little a bit more? I mean, it's uh, it's quite a unique piece. It is quite unique. Well, I didn't know who it was for or what it was all about when I first made it, or when I was working on it. Um, it was only later when uh, a friend called me to say, aren't you making some kind of diamond skull? There's something on the front of the newspaper about the costliest piece of artwork uh, ever being uh, to, to ever be created. It would seem strange if there's more than one of those things being done at the same time. So yeah, <laughs> I it was... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun to to learn about what I was doing from the newspaper <laughs> rather than knowing about it up front. That's cool. That's cool. Um, before we, since we're on this topic, um, I'm curious what you think of the, you know, Beeple NFT sale, which is one of the highest sales of art history, of modern art for a living artist. And I think the skull is actually the highest if I'm not mistaken. Um, what, yeah, what do you think, think so. about that? Um, well, I, I'm very bullish on NFTs generally. I uh, actually co-founded one of the first NFT projects, which was called Ownage, way back in 2015. They weren't called NFTs at the time, and our, our focus was on um, NFTs within game worlds. Uh, which I still think is going to be the real killer use case for NFTs. Um, for art-based NFTs, I, I'm also really interested. I think that there's some challenges that they face currently, um, which are primarily about where the data is stored and how the data is referenced. 
um, which I think is currently too centralized, but I know there's lots of people working on overcoming those challenges. So in general, I feel like because there are some unsolved technical problems, the NFT space is a bit frothy at the moment, very frothy if you look at $68 million for, for the people, but um, I think it holds a lot of promise and that's what people are buying into now. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. I think that the, definitely the gaming NFTs and games is is going to be huge, and it's uh, it's kind of unfortunate we don't really have any good blockchain games yet. You know, no, not that are really making use of the technology in in the really exciting ways that I foresee in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, maybe give me one of it, one one from your vision. Okay, so actually this coincides with Colony really nicely because I'm really excited about the prospect of you having like virtual worlds, you know, like MMORPGs um, where all of the different materials, resources, uh, items, weapons, everything within the game, skins, clothing, everything that there is in the game are, are NFTs and they're tradable and craftable and then when you combine that with the possibility of making guilds that are DAOs, you could you could have uh, entirely virtual corporations that are manufacturing and dealing in goods that are truly rare truly unique in some cases and have real value and and then i can see that we could be dealing with like unicorn sized companies that are entirely pseudonymous and entirely virtual as in they don't interface with the real world at all they exist solely in a virtual world and yet the value they create is very real in the real world that to me is like super super exciting and fascinating mm, that's that's interesting you could have like people manufacturing these nft products and selling yeah, right. them like you imagine if you've got different classes of player, different classes of character that yeah. have each got individual specific attributes that, you know, perhaps they can farm a particular type of creature or mine a particular type of ore. And you need to combine the efforts of multiple different people to be able to produce things and sell them because of the different capabilities that different classes of characters have and when you wrap that all up in a guild structure which can overall receive funds and disperse those funds to its members i think it could be really cool it's interesting because that may seem so like sci-fi but that already happens like there are people that yeah. like work in runescape like building up these accounts and getting all sorts of items and then selling the accounts I know that in a uh, place like Venezuela, where it's not very easy to find work or high paying jobs, people like do this as kind of a, their day to day. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of wild. I mean, it's something which is actually totally possible now. There is no technical problem with doing this now. It's just that it's a lot of work and people, it's a lot of risk and investment for, for developers to put into a game, but somebody's going to do it. And then when I think it starts to get even cooler is because you've already got all of these. Um, if you've, if you're assuming that a game world exists with currencies that are worth real money, 
NFTs as, as items that are worth real money. There's, and that's all based on an open blockchain, um, you know, like a, an EVM compatible blockchain, whatever it happens to be. You could see all of the DeFi stuff that we're seeing emerging and proliferating in all sorts of ways, also integrating with those worlds. So it could be a world not only of commerce, but of sophisticated financial products. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you a question. Sure. What is a DAO? Uh, that's a very good question. One that nobody seems to have a truly good answer to. Actually, I think now I say that, I think actually Vitalik has got a pretty good uh, answer to it. And that is that a DAO is no one thing. Um, I, uh, and you can categorize them as either sort of narrow DAOs, which are existing for doing one specific purpose, or, or wide DAOs, which are uh, existing to operate almost like a company, a very similar purpose to a company of accomplishing a wide variety of different kinds of work. Um, I generally think of a DAO as being any sort of decentralized um, economic um, mechanism that exists to coordinate a bunch of different actors to some economic um, activity. Um, so that would be really the simplest and first one doing that is Bitcoin, in my view, where you have just got a piece of software, which is providing the set of rules and incentives that allow people to provide a certain kind of work that it requires in order to, to, uh, to provide its service. Um, I don't think most people usually think of DAOs as, as of Bitcoin as being a DAO, but I certainly do. And I think that's becomes big, uh, sorry, DAOs have become sort of synonymous with voting. And I think that's precisely the wrong way to think about them. I think that voting has been an initial naive implementation of, of work coordination or of, of treasury management, but there's far more sophisticated ways of, of um, sort of collaborative social choice that we can, we can devise, uh, which will prove to be much more effective and sophisticated in the, the more challenging use cases that we're going to encounter as, as the space moves along. So I do want to get into that idea of not voting, which is kind of one of the core tenets of Colony, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah. But um, what is Colony and, and what are you trying to solve with, with the project? So Colony is a, a DAO framework. We think of it as being the most powerful, most flexible, um, easiest to use. Uh, DAO framework. Um, and we're trying to enable, at least within our application, that wide DAO um, experience that I mentioned, wherein you have got something which looks and feels and operates very similarly to a, a company does. And so it's able to take on a wide variety or, or of really arbitrary variety of, of different forms of, of work and activity 
where that activity is pursuant to the delivery of some some goal that a group of people has. And the important thing is that people should, in principle, be able to come together, raise funds, manage those funds towards a common goal without needing to know or trust one another, and and to do so efficiently, because really that's one of the big challenges that DAOs experience right now is that they're woefully inefficient. Um, to take a few steps back as to why I say that, you have to kind of understand why companies exist at all. Um, and that, that comes back to some, some economic theory called the theory of the firm, uh, which was popularized by Ronald Coase. And in it, he explains that companies emerge when the cost of producing via the market mechanism becomes too high. That is, it is more effective and cost effective to own the factors of production within a firm, that is by having equipment and having people on salaries, um, than it is to try and coordinate that supply entirely via the market mechanism when you factor in transaction costs. So transaction costs are things like, well, finding who the suppliers are, specifying what it is you need to have supplied agreeing to terms, coordinating contracts, managing payments, and so on. There's a lot of additional stuff that goes in um, to contracting via the open market versus just having people who are always in the employ of a company. Um, so that's why firms exist, is because of these coordination costs or transaction costs. And a DAO, really has got no choice but to coordinate supply via the market mechanism. So what a DAO needs to solve for is those transaction costs of the market mechanism for supply. And yet that is precisely not what any other DAO other than Colony, I would argue, is actually solving for, because they actually increase the coordination costs of the market mechanism by requiring everything to pass through this absurd voting process of token holders uh, which really just slows everything down it's it's as though companies rather than trying to behave as as agile startups are trying to behave as multinational corporations where shareholders have to vote on every little thing a lot to unpack yes um, so so what is the more efficient way of running a DAO versus voting on snapshot or on chain or whatever? Because a lot of people I think would say, well, a DAO is a community run thing. Everyone should have a say in what's going on. Um, but it's not really like that. I'm involved with a bunch of different DAOs and each one, as you said earlier, has their own method of operating, right? Um, and voting often is very slow, as you mentioned, and it's not very efficient. And people also don't really care to vote necessarily on everything, on every single thing. So what is the method by which you can coordinate a community 
without this like kind of democracy practice yeah or actually plutocracy as it's the uh it's the amount of wealth that you have or at least the amount of tokens that you have that right. determines your voting weight which is really no proxy for expertise and that's the way companies in the real world operate people are hired for their ability to perform a particular task or make certain sets of decisions based on their expertise and that's what colony is trying to recapitulate from the bottom up rather than from the top down as exists in most companies um so understanding the problem that DAOs currently have um, really comes back to the sort of original sin of DAOs, which was solving the Sybil problem by providing a different problem, um, which is waiting with tokens. So the Sybil problem is that when, when people first wanted to do DAO type things, the ideal situation was that you would um, have it be democratic such that you have one person, one vote. I also don't think that's a very good way to run a company, but that's a by the by. So because you can't have one person, one vote, because then it just, the question is who can spin up the most accounts? Instead, it was who's got the most money, because it doesn't matter how much money you've got. If you divide it between 100 accounts, it still counts as the same voting weight. So we created this, this problem instead. Um, and when you have just got token waiters vote, there is no, there is no way to distinguish between the token holders for who has any expertise in any particular area or who should be able to vote. And most people actually, as you say, don't care to vote. That can either be because they don't think they have a valuable opinion on any particular topic. Um, or it could just be because they're apathetic. They just want to huddle to the moon rather than actually participate in, in the governance. So in our view, DAOs need to behave more or less like, like firms do in that they attempt to quantify the expertise that the members of the DAO have and modulate their influence accordingly and to do so granularly on the basis of the specific competencies that people have demonstrated so in colony that works by reputation um, whenever you get paid within a colony in a colony's native token you earn reputation in that colony within the specific team that you have earned the payment uh, proportional to the amount that you've been paid. So let's say you earn 100 tokens, you receive 100 um, reputation points. And so if you've got an organization which is made up of, well, the organization overall, we call the top level of the organization the root, confusingly. Um, and then let's say you've got three teams beneath that. You've got dev, you've got design, and you've got marketing. If you earn reputation in design, then you're also going to have reputation in root, which is representing the organization overall. But as you've not demonstrated any competence in marketing or dev, you won't have any influence in marketing or dev. You'll only have influence in design or the 
organization overall. Um, and then also reputation decays. So if you, uh, you earn some reputation, it's going to have decayed by 50% within three months. So it's got a half-life of three months. Um, so that creates, sort of solves one of the other problems of um, token-based voting on things is that you don't, if you, when you initially issue tokens, um, you've got a certain token distribution, which is going to tend towards a power law distribution because that's really how wealth works and how token distributions work. If you look at the various different tokens that exist out there, they're almost always distributed according to a power law. And the same will uh, apply to reputation. So people earn their executive authority within the colony uh, by earning this reputation. And the way decision-making works within a colony is, is also rather different. It's a system that we call lazy consensus. And it operates according to you creating a proposal, something that you think ought to happen. Um, we call that a motion. And as long as nobody disagrees with that motion, then after a security delay, it will pass. However, anybody can disagree to that, uh, to, can disagree with your motion uh, and they can, they can stake uh, against you. And that will cause a vote to take place. But it's only a measure of last resort because we don't think in most organizations is actually necessary for uh, decisions to be uh, rivalrous all the time. There doesn't always have to be contention about everything. And um, that is the, the status quo. What we have found is that in most DAOs, actually the consensus formation takes place off chain and the process of voting on chain is really only ratifying the consensus that's already been formed. So that being the case, in, in most cases, it's totally unnecessary to have a vote at all. And that's what Colony enables you to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Most votes that I've participated in have been extremely one-sided. It's not like they're close. Mm -hmm. So it's no. like 95% are voting yes on whatever measure. So Right. Because so why like, would you create a proposal if you already know it's going to fail? Yeah, it's like, so it makes a lot of sense just to have these things passed. Um, so uh, in the example you just gave, is mm -hmm. that like how the Colony DAO operates or other DAOs that are using Colony as a platform? I'm just curious. Both, actually. Okay. Yeah, um, so the the colony that manages the colony network is called the Meta Colony. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, active yet, but it will be very soon once our um, once this government's mechanism that I've just described goes live in I think three weeks from now. So, yeah, that's that's how basically all colonies will be able to operate. We do also enable token voting or well token based lazy consensus and a hybrid-based lazy consensus as well. It's just what the resolution mechanism is. Because although I I, um, I diss token voting at, at any opportunity, uh, it's only, it's only sort of, it's partly in 
in jest at, at the prevalence of it right now. I do actually think that there are some use cases in which token voting is the best way forward, um, particularly where actually you do want to sample what the money thinks uh, for, for whatever reason that may be. Um, but also where you are making decisions which significantly concern the token holders. So I, I think that in general, a a um, a DAO needs to be able to accommodate multiple different classes of stakeholders, and at the very least, it needs to be able to understand and respect the stakeholdings of the labor class and the capital class. And and again, that's something that Colony is designed with in mind. So we do we enable reputation based laser consensus, token based laser consensus, and hybrid wherein you need to get a sort of double uh, double pass from from both of those stakeholder groups in um traditional government you have people mm -hmm. who are elected officials to make mm -hmm. decisions for i don't know the community or the nation here we have a kind of a different approach where it's actually the People who have experience in particular areas are able to give their, their voice basically has more weight. So that's kind of what you're explaining in the reputation based voting. So, right. so is there any thought to have like a politician group, like, you know, uh, somebody who makes decision? who, I don't know, is either like elected, you know, you transfer your votes to them or having a person which is like a, I don't know, a professional politician within crypto, something like that. Mm -hmm. Is that like a job that will emerge? I don't know. Perhaps uh, I, from, from what I've seen, the majority of DAO use cases that, that are there right now are, um, really more like startups or like venture funds. Uh, and I'm not sure that a, a political analog is, is the right way to think about it. But I, I think that some people are, I mean, I know that some people are experimenting with different flavors of liquid democracy, which is rather similar to, to what you um, describe. Um, with perhaps some success as well. I think that that's, that's also an interesting model. And um, we expect in the future that uh, Colony will support really any different um, decision-making modality that you like, because all of these things are, are installed as extensions on, onto Colony. So there's the sort of app store type, type thing that exists within the Colony app. Um, where you could go and find the governance framework that you want to operate in and uh, and just install it. So that would be possible in the future. So maybe more along those lines, I was going to ask how you're able to accommodate different DAOs, right? We could have a very small DAO, maybe a group of 10 or 20 people to buy a people pleaser work, or we could have a DAO like YFI who has many different hierarchies, community contributions, you know, core team. So all of these are different. They have different needs, right? So mm -hmm. um, how do you, how do you help everyone essentially? 
it just comes down to the flexibility of the architecture, I think, that you can create in a colony. And a colony can be constructed of, of multiple different sub-teams, and each team can have a sub-team. So, and that can nest arbitrarily deeply. So you could have, um, you know, in a small organization, you probably don't need a very complicated organizational structure. Um, it probably makes more sense to keep it relatively tight. But when you've got a lot of people that are doing a lot of different things, then you're probably going to want a more sophisticated structure within the organization. And then it kind of gets into the very specifics of, of how those organizations wish to operate. But there's no reason in principle why organizations of any scale shouldn't be able to coordinate their work efficiently within colony. And what I think that really comes down to is, is the concept of teams, which is, um, you know, just a very standard. It's the way every organization is, is, is um, organized into into teams usually of just a handful of people and if you get to more than a handful of people it gets a bit top heavy or, or gets a bit unwieldy i should say um and, and that's just exactly how we would expect colonies to to operate and um i think the other thing because I, I talk about the uh, possibility of agility within a diet that's via colony a lot um and the way that can work is that rather than um, you having the people the the people at the top of the organization as you do in a traditional company which have got the most unilateral power and tends to be that the people at the periphery of the organization the sort of frontline workers of the organization have the least power the least decision-making authority in colony kind of works the opposite way around um, so the higher up the organization you get, the more people are going to have a say in in any of any in any decisions pertaining to that area of the organization. And so I would imagine that at the heart of the organization, the root, um, you will have the most um, onerous and slowest and most secure um, decision making processes, which would probably be something like the hybrid. A lazy consensus that I mentioned. Um, but at the periphery of the organization and in the individual teams, which are, let's say, of six people each or thereabouts, um, it may be that those don't have any kind of voting process at all, but rather the teams that, that house those, the departments, if you like, um, provide funding to those teams. And those teams have a degree of trust within them that allows them to unilaterally decide to make certain payments and have the ability to simply um, eject members of those teams if they start behaving in ways which are, are not aligned with the team's goals. So you can think of them at the edges perhaps as being either people having the unilateral ability to make payments or more like operating more as multi-sigs. Who should start a DAO? And I'm talking kind of about myself here, right? Mm -hmm. I have uh, content channels, YouTube, Twitter. I also have a Telegram group. I also mm -hmm. have people who help me with the content, editing, uh, graphic design, stuff like that. 
is making a DAO relevant to someone like me who is relatively small or is there some other criteria one should think about? Yeah, I absolutely think it, it can be um, because presumably you have a core group of listeners or, or readers that are or watchers that are very passionate about the work that you do and you have a core set of contributors and right now there's a lot of manual coordination that I would imagine that you have to do in order to um, coordinate all of those people and incentivize them and I think that the right kind of DAO can allow you to incentivize those people more efficiently because they can they can be sort of self-serving if you like the value that they can contribute and they can be being awarded uh, by your DAO organization if they if the value that they're offering and providing is was worth compensating and you can have some proportion of your organization's revenue flowing into a pot that is dispersable amongst the members of those of, of your organization proportional to the value that they've contributed. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I really would like is to have, you know, my audience, that core group that you really described to have, feel like they have some ownership over the platform, because that's mm. going to make the platform, you know, grow. And, um, you know, the more people that are passionate and are willing to speak about it, share videos, whatever, um, you know, the bigger it's going to get. But I also want, totally. I want them to feel that they, you know, they, they actually get something out of it. Right. It's not just like, okay, this, I helped this guy grow his YouTube channel. Like, you know, let, let's get them paid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. And, and that sort of shared ownership, shared agency, if you like, um, I think is, is really key. That's what really drives people. It's what we all want, right? We all want to feel like what we do makes a difference. And I think that being able to contribute via a DAO really brings that to life because it becomes very tangible. It's something that you quite literally own and and are able to control. Um, I think there's an interesting nuance in there that even if you have got a decentralized organization of the type that you described, there is still... Um, the value is all really being created off chain. Um, there's still an element of trust that's required uh, of all of the parties participating, notably you, I would imagine, in fulfilling some of the requirements that a DAO might might uh, might want. Um, and that's an interesting nuance versus what we usually consider about. Um, sort of on-chain governance pertaining to the um, direct actions of smart contracts that are under the control of DAOs. But notwithstanding that distinction, I think that it's it's one of the most exciting use cases that uh, I've imagined because, you know, so many people have um, passionate sort of followers or fan bases um, that are really, really keen to be able to participate. In fact, um, that was one of the most successful use cases that we had in, a, in an earlier uh, iteration of the colony sort of prototyping journey, uh, 
was for uh, uh, um, a guy called Venkatesh Rao, who runs a blog called uh, Ribbon Farm, and was coordinating and incentivizing um, his community to participate in a whole bunch of different types of tasks. And it worked really, really well. How did he compensate them? Did he just put money in the pot and was just like, we're going to distribute this? Or was I actually like don't think he put money in the pot in, in that case. I think he just created a token um, and then provided a, um, a set of services that he could also provide to the token holders. So if you had a certain number of tokens, you could get like an hour co consultation with him um, and, you know, various other things. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's hard to, because you mentioned off chain, right? I have a YouTube channel, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of the primary asset, maybe a Twitter account. Um, but at the end of the day, let's say I make a token, distribute it. I still feel that I own it because, you know, I have the password. It's connected to my email account. You know, it's not like, yeah, it's not community owned, right? It's kind of, uh, you know, there's a disconnect there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the big challenges still to be solved for, um, whether that ends up meaning that really everything has to be, um, has to ultimately end up decentralized such that they can be controlled by, um, accounts rather than by, by humans. Um, or whether there's some other proxy that will, come into place in the future that will, will allow that to happen perhaps there being um you know a, a third party that is heavily bonded or collateralized or something that will actually control um those accounts on behalf of communities i think there's there's still a lot of problems to solve but for now you're absolutely right you would be under control of the um youtube channel just as software teams are under control of their github repos Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What is your favorite organization? That's a good question. What's my favorite organization? Huh. I don't think I have a favorite organization, if I'm honest. I don't think I'm a sort of organization nerd where I'm particularly um, enamored by any of them. I just generally find the the challenges of um, organizational design quite interesting. Um, and I think it's the variety that exists that's the most fascinating. Um, because really every different organization has its own preferences and its own specific quirks to the way it wants to operate. Um, and I think what's been really interesting over recent years, uh, well, recent to the sort of history of the firm in general, is that um, over the last few decades, two, three decades, a lot of other new organizational forms have emerged outside of blockchain technology. Um, and those new, more agile ways of operating, um, such as how Spotify coordinates itself, 
or um, Medium or various other organizations which are to, to one extent or another operating according to principles uh, of things like holacracy or sociocracy. Um, I think that's really interesting because it's demonstrating that firms don't like the only way to do a company is, is not um, by the sort of old school hierarchical structure. In fact, in the modern world, that's proving to be less and less efficient. Um, so I would say it's the, the variety overall that is my favorite thing. Interesting. Um, you said you're not an organizational nerd. I, I'm i going to disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> um, are there any DAOs that you think interest have like interesting, you know, methodologies or like, you know, you, you think that are doing some unique experiments when it comes to governance? I think there are a few actually, but actually the one that I like most probably or I'm most fascinated by is Yearn, which you mentioned earlier on, because that is like, that's exactly what I imagined would be happening when I first dreamed up colony years ago and that really didn't exist at the time but it's actually happened because yearn is just an amalgamation of people um that formed around the project when um andre cronia put it put, put his code out there put his platform out there in the first place and you know there's no there's no company behind it. It's it's literally just a community of people who have put themselves up for various different roles, demonstrated their competence in various different areas, and are just getting on with the work because their incentives are aligned to make it succeed. Um, and they have have done that by, and I mean this in in the most profoundly sort of. Um, um, positive way is they have cobbled together a bunch of different tools that exist into actually a pretty sophisticated organizational structure that's very flexible, very powerful and very capable. And, and they move fast as a consequence. So that's the one that I think is is coolest. And, and the thing that I, I probably like about it most of all, is that they're constantly striving for it to be better. They're always looking for different ways to improve it and different technologies as they come along, they either build or, or um, look to experiment with. One of the biggest innovations from Yearn recently has been Coordinate, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Have you mm -hmm. checked that out? Have you used it or know what it is? Yeah, yeah, I haven't used it, but um, it's, a, it's a very neat idea. Um, yeah, do you, do you want to talk to that? Yeah, no, I just, um, it, it just allows a group of people to assign a certain amount of tokens based on contributions that they've done for the project. And mm -hmm. it could be any sort of contribution, marketing, design, uh, dev work, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's, it's pretty interesting to have the group just decide what the payroll is rather than two or three people, um, you know, looking at the work and making decisions on their own. Absolutely. And I think it's especially useful in their context because 
really no one person has got an overview. They don't know um, how everybody has contributed. And you have all of these problems within organizations of, of, of how you actually quantify that when some people are really humble, they don't, you know, they're very introverted, they don't like to talk a lot. Whereas you have other people that, um, you know, perhaps they also contribute a lot, but they're also very confident and extroverted and, and make a big deal of, of what they've done. And, um, and I think that coordinate really helps with with that because it's based on people directing funds based on their own private knowledge. And, and that's um, discretion to act on your own private knowledge without it being a sort of explicit voting process is really the key um the key thing in aggregating collective intelligence effectively the other thing that i really like about it is that it is very explicitly not trying to um sort of taskify everything and and i think that i think that's really key as well because we actually wrote a, a blog post a long time ago when bounties were starting to become a really big thing in in crypto of of saying that bounties are not the future of work because organizations just are not going to be able to bundle absolutely everything up into a task and um and compensate people on a task by task basis but doing so in a more flexible basis uh, is difficult you know salaries are typically the way that we go about doing that if you've got somebody somebody's role like like me that does a whole bunch of different things and it would be an extraordinarily onerous to um to have to track that and quantify it all the time it's much more effective to just be on a salary to be retained to do this this work and you know as long as you're superiors or your peers think that you're doing a good enough job you'll continue to be retained in that capacity but where salaries don't really make sense because the community or the the workers kind of ebb and flow and you you don't want to have people locked in i think something like coordinate is really nice because it just means that if I know that somebody has done some really good work recently, but perhaps other people don't, then I can be directing my my sort of flow of funding or my um, my points towards them. And hopefully other people have, will have noticed as well. And so when the funds get dispersed amongst the membership, hopefully those people will be fairly compensated. So in, in theory, coordinate could be like an app that you install for colony and then. You oh yeah, do... absolutely. Mm, interesting. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, how else, how else would you assign a uh, value to people, uh, through colony? Like how do you decide on payments? Yep. So we have a whole bunch of different ways and, and I think you can actually break that down into two different um, two different types of of funding. So there's the sort of budget management, and then there's actually also payments as well. So within an organisation uh, and how budgets are apportioned, we have at least with the mechanisms that we've designed so far, we have a couple of other ways. One of which is called funding queues. And another is called budget box. Um, so funding queues, you 
can probably think of most easily as being a bit like a subreddit in which you've got people providing different things that ought to get funding mm -hmm. and the community being able to upvote those things and into an order. And basically they just get uh, funded sequentially in order of preference. Um, so the thing that the community thinks is most valuable will be funded first, second most valuable second and so on. So it's quite straightforward um, because there's time is like a really key concept within colony and, and you've got just money moving all the time. And uh, so it can be dripping into different um, to different um, pots for, for different purposes based on the collective preference of the community. Budget box operates very differently and it's for a very different purpose. Um, we initially imagined it as how we would uh, incentivize a community of developers who were building on top of the colony protocol. And we saw that grants are a really nice thing to have, but they really only can pay for a first version of a product. And often uh, a grant will, will go out and it will get, um, get, get, um, something started and then these projects have to go through a continual process of trying to get grant funding from different places, um, particularly if those are not things that they want to have a, um, a, a sort of inherent business model. Um, and, and in our particular case, we thought it was probably suboptimal if these projects also tried to create their own token um, so we wanted to find a way that uh, a sort of inflation funding from of the colony token could be dispersed to members proportional to the value the community thinks that they're contributing over time and thereby giving them a reliable income that comes from um from their their software built uh, built on colony um so that works as a sort of pairwise preference game that organizes um, projects into a league uh, based on, again, the collective preference of the community. So you just look at two different projects which are in um, in a league and you say which one you prefer from uh, one or the other. And that actually turns out to be a really effective way of getting a very accurate um, sense of collective preference. And then uh, each different league will have an amount of the token supplier which will be directed towards them and your position in the league determines how much of that you get. So if you're first place in the first league, then you will get the most uh, and then you know it kind of trickles down as you would imagine um, for all of the other leagues. Very cool, very cool. So what is... What's coming next for Colony on in the in the short term? Cool. So we uh, we actually only launched the product like five, six weeks ago, something like that. Um, and we've just laid out our blog post. Uh, uh, sorry, our roadmap on a on a blog post, which is at blog.colony.io forward slash roadmap. So the first things that we're rolling out um, that I'm really excited about are Coin Machine, which is our token sale mechanism um, that we'll be using for our own token sale. Um, 
in the not too distant future and which is also available free to use for anybody else there's no fees associated with using coin machine at all um, and so that's a mechanism that sells tokens in batches to um, anybody who wishes to buy them anybody who's whitelisted to be able to buy them um, uh, and so you can conduct that either as a sort of standalone sale where you're going to sell a certain number of tokens or you, or you can even have a continuous sale which is just going to drip feed tokens into the market forever um, and that operates as, as a series of token sale batches so you can think of it like a, a run of micro token sales and you have a sort of soft cap and a hard cap um, and if in a specific in one of the micro sales you uh, exceed the soft cap or indeed hit the hard cap then the price in the next sale is going to increase and if you don't hit the soft cap then the price in the next sale will decrease so it constantly retargets the price um, based on the amount of demand that exists in the market so that uh, we will be rolling out in the next three weeks ish um, and then the lazy consensus based on reputation uh, as we call it motions and disputes um, that will also be rolling out in about three weeks fantastic so very exciting very exciting yeah. stuff looking forward to seeing how this uh, all plays out so what would you like the listener to do after listening to this conversation? Well, I'd love you all to come and join our community uh, on Discord um, or indeed on Telegram, whichever you prefer. So the Telegram link is t.me forward slash join colony. And uh, the Discord link is uh, clny.io forward slash Discord. So either of those, please come and join us, join the conversation, uh, contribute your opinions and views about how you think the world of DAOs should proceed forwards. Um, yeah, or follow us on Twitter as well. That's where we obviously do most of our announcing of things. And we're just at Join Colony on Twitter. Fantastic. Jack, thank you so much for joining me today. Learned a lot. And I hope that we can do this again shortly, uh, especially after Colony's up and running and you've learned a little bit more how best to run a DAO. Um, I think it's definitely the future of maybe DeFi, crypto, this this aspect of DAOs is kind of the, the next wave, I think, that is going to hit pretty hard over the next months and years. Yeah, I agree. And I'd love to. It'd be fun. All right. Take it easy. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Thank you.